From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Thursday, December 14th, 2017. This is episode 34, Regrets. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff you care about. I'm Jason Snow, and I'm joined by two wonderful guests. Alex Cox is here from Cards Against Humanity and the podcast Do By Friday and RoboWism. Hi, Alex. Hello. Thank you for downloading with me today. I'm so excited. Thank you. Workshopping that one. I'm not sure how I feel about it. (laughs) Also here, uh, producer at Twit and host of iOS Today and Tech News Weekly, it's Megan Maroney. Welcome back, Megan. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I have talked to you, Stephen and Jason, many times, but I'm very excited to talk to Alex, um, especially because I recently learned that one of my 12-year-old's twin boys regularly plays Cards Against Humanity with a bunch of his friends, and you might find that exciting or horrifying. But, um, yeah. Oh, oh, he's such a youth. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> We're supposed to be 17 and uh, seventeen and up. I wash my hands of this. Okay, good. This is good. The, the next Cards Against Humanity scandal will be, uh, yes, will be we ruining the nation's youth. I think it's much better than what they watch on YouTube, so I'm yeah. letting it go. That's fair. Oh, fair, fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, also, of course, as reference, Stephen Hackett, producer of Download, is always here and popping up with uh, information. And uh, and uh, I think we'll have a story about a uh, a special uh, family gift that was received later on in the show. So, hello. Yeah. Hey. hey. Welcome, welcome. 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 One and all. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't been welcome to this podcast before. That's great. It feels good. <laughs> I know why I do it now. It's a warm feeling inside when I do it. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get down to it. The most interesting stories of the week, as chosen by me and, uh, of course, Stephen Hackett. Uh, Topic number one, regrets. (laughs) What would would the holiday season be without regrets and recriminations? A former vice president of Facebook, speaking to an audience at the Stanford Business School, said he feels, quote, tremendous guilt about helping build Facebook, given what has happened to the way the internet is used, not just Facebook, but social media in general. Uh, Here's a quote, no civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruth. Now, he is far from the first person who has worked at a social media company like Facebook to show remorse at the monster that has been created. Uh, I believe the Napster guy also said that he was like taking a sabbatical from all social media and he wanted to think about what he had done. Um, Facebook responded to this, by the way, uh, and the response was great, which it basically, first off, that they felt they needed to respond an issue or response to the statement. And his response was, well, he hasn't worked here in a long time and we've grown and changed since then and are way better now. So it's all good. Like, okay, that's... <laughs> so, so let's talk about uh, a little bit about the impact of social, sh- social media on our world around us. And I wanted to start with the underlying premise here, which is, uh, is this truly a, a monster that uh, we all regret creating and being a part of? Or is that overstated a little bit? Is there, is, there, is there good and bad here? Is it just a disaster? Could we go back in time and destroy it? Alex, what do you think? I mean, the whole argument feels silly to me. Not not the discussion, but the uh, black and white argument of is social media bad? Is it? It's like are, are video games causing kids to be violent? It's like, well, 
that's like saying all food in the world is bad. Like I, it's just a thing that we ex- that exists, and it is a thing that indeed people have created. Um, but the Facebook's response is what just kind of made this story even funnier. Like, oh no, 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 we were bad, but now what's happening? <laughs> fine everything's fine um i don't know why like it felt like such a knee-jerk response um and i don't know i think it kind of speaks to what sort of company they are and i i always like when stories like this come out because most people um and this has been stated many times to them facebook is the internet and so the more folks know that like Weird stuff happens at Facebook. Um, there's people who regret the tools they've made. More folks are going to be cognizant of what they're putting out into the world and how they do it. Facebook's response here reminds me of my three-year-old. You know, if you ask him <laughs> if something happened, like before you get to that part of the conversation, he's already denying what you and he both know he did right like it's uh, so strange it kind of of feels feels like that like oh no that's not us because because the the guilty conscience is is uh maybe at play here i'm actually surprised that this warranted a response and the one from uh the napster guy sean parker didn't because i don't think i would have heard about this if facebook didn't respond i always picture him as justin timberlake that's just me (laughs) me too that's the power of fantasy (laughs) casting i guess so Megan, is this is social media just a neutral uh, thing that can be used for good or evil? Is that you know that's sort of I think what if I summarize some something that Alex said there is that like food? Well, <laughs> I I think that it can be used for good or evil, but I don't think it's neutral for sure. But I think that I just want to like give this guy a hug and say you know sweetie, like if you guys didn't create this, someone else would have, and so it's not your fault. I just think this is like what Facebook has created, what social media is is just human nature it's where we were always headed um i think it it has some great features it has some really bad features i mean it's just like it's our way of competing with each other as humans it's our way of you know hiding the the shameful parts of ourselves and just presenting the best part of ourselves it's just what we've always always been doing and it's just we're doing it much more efficiently now so i think I think it's, I agree that it's very weird that Facebook felt like they had to respond at all. And I agree that it's very childlike. Oh, yes, yes. I just hit my brother over the face, you know, in the face with a leaf blower, but I am not going to do it again. I'm not doing that anymore. Mistakes were made. Okay. Mistakes were made. (laughs) But let's move on. Let's just move on from that and understand that the, uh, he did say later, by the way, um, uh, that the company overwhelmingly does good in the world. I should say his name. His name is, is complicated for my uh for my uh, american uh californian mouth to say because he's got a complicated last name but his name is chamath palihapitia i want to say that's my 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 guess at it um and he that's why i called him sweetie and he is the he is the founder and ceo of social capital um the uh and sean parker said he was a conscientious objector to social media i love that that's like what does that even mean (laughs) um i mean i get i get the reference but like to social 
Okay. Um, I mean, Twitter, Twitter's gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of criticism lately. I mean, this isn't just about Facebook. Um, Twitter's gotten a lot of criticism lately. A lot of the criticism toward Twitter and Facebook is that while they are aware of some of the ways that their social media platforms can be misused to bully people and to rally, you know, uh, kind of ugly, violent groups into, uh, finding other people like them and then coordinating what they do, uh, to, to, uh, treating people badly on the internet, to doing terrible things in real life. There are lots. There's a whole catalog of it. That the the problem is that they also don't want to drive everyone away from their platform because that's their business. And so when Mark Zuckerberg says we want to focus on the community and not making a profit, you know, I I look at that and I'm a little cynical and I say, well, yeah, because you make your profit from your community. Uh, so it's all intertwined in the same way with Twitter. Like Twitter could probably clamp down more on some of the bad users of their service, but they've really been afraid to do it. So, you know, I, I mean, at what point is, is this going to change? Are the managers of these social media platforms going to realize they need to take a much more heavy hand in what goes on on their platforms? Or do they really, you know, are they really going to just keep the light touch and sort of let society work it out? I think they're already changing. I mean, they've been forced to change this year. It's it's one of the biggest stories of this year. The way, the different way in which we look at the, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and, um, you know, Jack Dorsey and all the the heads of these companies. They've just been pushed by whomever, people, society, the Russians, whoever it is. They've been pushed into a position where they have to say. I'm a media company, or yes, I take some responsibility, or you know, just all the things they've never wanted to say. And I think that's that's good. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. They they need to be held accountable uh, for for uh, for what they've created with this huge, enormous platform. I feel like a lot of people. I mean. Everyone keeps saying, oh, you know what? All of the old people are going to die and then the world is going to be great because all of these progressive young people are going to take over. But uh, we're still, you know, these platforms are still largely controlled by white men, most of them very young white men. And I keep the image of Jack Dorsey sitting on a stage wearing a... Twitter t-shirt that says stay woke still makes my eyes roll out of my head and across the floor. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think I'm amending my statement that not all social media is neutral, but it's kind of chaotic neutral. And huh. right now, I like social media wasn't always just Twitter and Facebook. And I hope it won't always be Twitter and Facebook. But they, they are driving out. Um, I mean, I, I it feels so pretentious to say like Twitter used to feel like um, I guess my neighborhood like where all my friends hung out and it's it's not that we are upset that new interesting voices have come um, to the platform in the whatever 10 oh god like 10 years now um, but it's like, oh, we're being driven out by Nazis. Our funny poop jokes and, uh, that turned into like, you know, activism on this powerful platform. Now Russian bots and Nazis are kicking us out of our neighborhood, which feels gross. And I mean, it, just for so, so long, they've ignored it. And the fact that it had to get to a national level for Twitter to even acknowledge that people were being harassed. I mean, Gamergate was years ago. And it, I'm not optimistic, I guess. 
And I don't think it's just social media either. I mean, Johnny Ive also said he sometimes regrets creating the iPhone. You know, a lot of the creators of the iPhone will say the same thing, that they, you know, walk into a restaurant and see all, you know, families all on their iPhones not paying attention <laughs> to each other. And they get a pang in their stomach of like, oh, what have I created? And and again, I would say to them, too, like someone else would have if you, <laughs> you hadn't. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if we... Of course, it reminds me of sort of like the the creators of the atomic bomb or something. I mean, the first thing I thought was like the creators of, you know, the railroad transportation. Did they ever, I'm sure they had regrets on, you know, whatever railroad transportation did to small communities or, you know, what whatnot. I think every inventor has those moments where they're like, oh, you know, I've, and it, it's just part of being sort of self-centered. Like, you know, oh, I, I did this. Well, that's that's true. I mean, I I think I think the liability in terms of your this is this is an interesting way we're talking about this conversation now. I, I like it. Um, the liability of somebody who creates something is when they know what they've created and make decisions about how to steer it that are I I would say you know once you know what you've done and you make moves that uh, feed into it. I feel like that's when you're culpable, like creating Facebook at the beginning and saying, we're going to connect people a little bit. Great. It's like, all right, I'll give that to you. You don't, you don't need to feel guilty. The, the uh, people who created the, the automobile in the early 20th century, you know, should I blame them directly for the creation of the car in all the, uh, all the lead that got put in the environment that was toxic for uh, a century, basically um, in leaded gasoline. Um, no, but I do blame whoever realized for the first time that they could do that, put a toxic chemical in something and they didn't really care what the effect would be. Like, I, I feel like that's, that's that step where these remarks seem to be not about the creation of Facebook, but about the weaponization of Facebook and like not, not worrying about, or in fact, leaning into tracking everybody, getting all the data about everybody so that you could pass it through. And that's not the same as saying like, wouldn't it be great to stay in touch with everybody you didn't stay in touch with? with when you left high school i i don't know i there, i suppose there was probably a reason i didn't stay in touch with them but i'm in touch with them all now <laughs> on facebook so yay i'm curious so then all of do does everyone here use facebook i occasionally use it now mostly just to post things about um you know the shows that i do not so much to keep uh -huh. in touch but i use instagram which is owned by facebook pretty mm -hmm. regularly I use Facebook. Um, it's uh, but very rarely. My wife uses Facebook a lot. I use it occasionally, um, but I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I, bottom line mm -hmm. is I don't like it. I don't like that I have to go to a web interface. I actually the reason I use Twitter a lot more is that there are apps for it. Whereas on on the when I'm using a computer, I need to just log into Facebook.com and I don't. I just I don't. And when I get there, there's not a lot of of uh, of value because you know for me I've curated my Twitter lists, uh, whereas Facebook is like literally everybody I've ever met uh, or uh, or am, am related to, which is not the most curated experience, I suppose. Yeah, I'm about where Jason is. I think I have it. I use it to keep up with a handful of people, but I don't check it very often. I literally never check it. And then it's basically the way I let my parents and extended family know I'm alive because I cross post yeah, right. from Instagram. And it's like, oh, cool. This is what they're up to. Everything's good. Let's see if I can find you on. Oh, there you are. Oh, we're friends on Facebook. Yay. Alex, I was going to friend you, but we're already friends. <laughs> so I don't need to do that. That's all good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I do agree that things are changing. I think, I think that's true. I think that, um, 
for all the the talk twitter has has dealt with this a lot but facebook has to deal with it too for all the talk of like free speech and wanting which is not like in the freedom of speech from the constitution but more like they want to create an open platform where people who have different views can have their conversations and not feel like it's completely controlled but that uh, that can become a philosophy of hands off. And as anybody who's ever run an online community in 30 years, honestly, could have told them, you got to police it, you got to have rules, and there have to be consequences when people break the rules, or it will get out of hand very quickly, and it will be much harder to put it all back together. And Facebook and Twitter have had to deal with that on a worldwide scale, which, I mean, I only had to deal with it in little website forums, and it was hard. So I, it's a hard problem, but at the same time, I feel like they, they do seem to be coming around to the idea that there's stuff, there, there, there are customers that they need to not, not have, and there are conversations that they need to just say are not appropriate on their platforms and i hope they get more aggressive about it and i'm not saying like certain people's politics should be involved but like abuse needs to go away right abusive behavior just needs to stop and the only way you do that is by policing it and kicking people off and maybe they'll do that but at the same time the more they do that the more users they lose i i mean i feel like there should just be a banner on every website that says hey the first amendment does not (laughs) harassment and hate speech just a reminder just a little asterisk you're a guest in our home when you come to our site and use our platform and if you don't follow our rules we will kick you out that's right. Yeah. First Amendment does not apply no. to, to you, Jack. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Kick the meanies out. What a hot take I just had. There. I know. Bad people <laughs> suck. Mean people suck. We got it on the record. Um, I don't know. It's it's I, I'll say this. I like the fact that there are people still engaged in Silicon Valley who seem reflective enough to think about what they've done and the impact it has on the world and not just on their valuation of their company. And I would, I would like to see more introspection in the people who are controlling these incredibly powerful systems because I don't think there's been a lot of introspection since, uh, you know, in the last decade of these massive social media platforms. So a little bit, even though he's former, like... I will more please more introspection more regrets more understanding that that you might need to uh, do things differently than you have up to now that'd be good I think mm-hmm. 2018 Facebook's year of regret yeah <laughs> listen Facebook you you feel the regret or we will <laughs> so we would like it to be you I don't know is that a threat or a promise um, let's take a break we're going to talk about more fun stuff I promise but uh, first or regret I'm, oh and and regret oh man the next segment here's a tease for the next segment so much regret in the next segment i'm not kidding uh but before we get to the regret let me tell you about something fun this episode of download is brought to you by balance open which is a free open source mac app for checking coinbase a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like bitcoin have you heard about bitcoin it's worth a lot of money now and ethereum another cryptocurrency balance open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything if you're not familiar with the stuff that's fine balance wants to help you understand about what these cryptocurrencies are all about and they're going to do that by starting you on your way the first 
6,000 people that go to bal.money slash relay. That's bal.money slash relay. We'll get $2 in the Ethereum cryptocurrency for free as a gift from Balance. And then you can just sit there and if Ethereum rockets to the stratosphere, your $2 could be worth, I don't know, $3 or $4, but it'll let you understand how it is to use it, which I think is a lot of fun. And uh, there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about cryptocurrency out there. So put put your uh, toes in. Balance Open will help you stick your toe in the water and see what the cryptocurrency is all about. Check it out today and find out more and try out Balance Open. Bal.money slash relay. Thank you to Balance for their support of download. Okay, more regret now. Patreon. (laughs) Hey, everybody. (laughs) Let's talk about Patreon. Patreon is a company that lets creators get paid by people who like the stuff they create. Seems like a great idea. Um, There there are several people here who are involved in not necessarily Patreon, but places where people give us money because of the stuff we make. That's good. Um, Last week, Patreon made a lot of their users and creators very angry by announcing a new and, I must say, confusing fee structure that would basically charge way more to patrons in fees, especially for the one dollar patronages that seemed actually to me quite common on the service little tiny amounts of money going from people to creators they like um, there's a lot of talk on the internet about how this was a move by patreon to freeze out smaller patrons and creators as a way to drive revenue but patreon began apologizing last week and saying we're sorry we didn't mean to have this effect you know we're just trying to do the right thing here and this week they went all the way back and announced they're taking it back never mind forget about it it never happened and they would come up with a new way of structuring fees that involved community input. Of course, a lot of the damage has already been done. I talked to a lot of people who are on Patreon saying that they've seen big hits to their donation bases. Um, and the you know the bottom line is there's still going to be a change. It's just going to be a different from the one that Patreon initially rolled out. Um, Alex, I wanted to start with you. You are definitely part of a Patreon with Dubai Friday. What do you think about all of the, <laughs> the steps forward and back and falling on their face of Patreon in the last couple of weeks? Uh, Jack definitely did an oopsie, uh, different Jack. Totally oh, different Jack. Yeah, yeah, different Jack. <laughs> um, in my opinion, a lot nicer Jack, but anyway, uh, anyway, um, the, the, I, I, I am also a patron as well as a Patreon u- user, mm-hmm. um, as in, like, I, I back a lot of, uh, my friends stuff. So, um, I actually think that as a user, I was informed first because of a, instead of, um, through our like creator email, if that makes sense, like my personal email instead of the Dubai Friday email, I, I think I got it first. I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. And I, I like read it three times. I'm like, okay. All right. I understand. This is awful. Okay. Um, and I only, we only recently started a Patreon for, uh, our podcast and it, it, we, I didn't really know anything about it despite being very familiar with, uh, Kickstarter and, or rather like the business side of Kickstarter. Um, but it was going, it was going great. Um, and then it's like, oh, by the way, now everybody's going to get, be essentially charged an extra dollar, which I mean, to be frank like we did indeed lose subscribers and all of one of my favorite things about patreon is there are exit surveys that at least from um our customers or patrons or whatever they they usually fill them out and say exactly why they aren't subscribing anymore um and it's either like uh it's usually like yep uh financial uh situation changed um or like if they're unsatisfied whatever and i think it's incredibly useful but this one across the board uh was just unhappy with patreon unhappy with patreon unhappy with patreon um 
And this is the story that's been echoed all over Twitter by artists, um, podcasters, musicians, everybody who uses Patreon. And especially, um, the, the majority of people who, who I back that have those $1 pledges that make the most of, um, it, it, it's really like a very substantial part of their income. Um, and for, for me, I was like, oh, okay, I, I back like maybe 30 Kickstarter, or I'm sorry, 30, patreons for a dollar and that's it's it's like no big deal this is a great it's kind of like it's it might as well be like a hulu subscription like i get amazing content from creators and friends every month oh but that now that's doubled so what uh, what what like low income artist do i decide oh i can't like that's too much for my family which of my friends it felt like, okay, which of my friends doesn't get to eat? It it just felt so gross. And the community is almost more intimate than Kickstarter is, I feel like, because it is so small. Um, and I don't know. It, it was very much a, uh, both a like, oh, wow, this is gross as a company, but also, uh, gross as, uh, the, the people who started the company that they, they made it for themselves to make money and be like, have their lives be, uh, sustainable as artists and it like honestly i have a jobby job it did not significantly affect me but it significantly affected many of my friends and i'm happy that they're like we did an oopsie and are rolling it back i i i mean i uh i am a creator but i'm not a patreon creator um and for me i've i mean i've oh i've thought i've always worried about patreon thinking um i'm grateful to have a jobby job, as you call it, Alex, uh, where it's separate. It's advertising supported and it's separate. The advertising team is separate from me. They don't say, you know, um, you know, say this great thing about our uh, advertiser, not in, you know, in, in the content part of the podcast. It's always separate. Um, and I really appreciate that. I, I mean, it's, would I like to be have no advertising on everything that I create? Yes, of course, but you know that's not the way the world works. So I've always, I mean, my fear of Patreon is to be is being, um, you know, uh, beholden to the people that are like financially beholden. Like I take my our audience at Twit really seriously, and you know, I I consider what they want to hear, and you know, I and I appreciate and value their time, and I know, you know, I know everyone has said little, you know, time that they can spread out among uh, listening or watching. And I appreciate every minute that they spend with us. But I've always thought, like, I like that there's, they're not paying us directly. You know, there's that separate third wall or what have you. But I never thought that this would happen, that there would be, that that Patreon would get in the way, that it wouldn't be just suddenly all of your patrons were turning on you, but the Patreon, the company, uh, would just make people lose subscribers like this. Yes, they said, they said, oopsie, we're not doing this. But I think... I mean, I have to imagine that a lot of people who canceled their subscriptions are not coming back. And just because it's really hard, just like our time um, is hard, what are we going to give it to? Our money, is, like you said, you know, like which which creator are you going to give it to? And, you know, it's, it's probably a bit of relief for some people to be like, okay, Patreon sucks. I'm going to stop all my, um, you know, my creative contributions to these people. And will they go back? I don't know. I mean, I hope so for all the people that I know that are amazing creators that do that don't have a jobby job. This is their jobby job. And so I, I, I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if what they did was 
was too much to go back. I, I mean, something that just really quickly popped into my mind is uh, we actually saw a big spike in subscribers after the the they they were like oh rolling it back not happening not happening and i haven't talked to a lot of people about this yet but i wonder if like one the publicity uh i i don't think that you're right i don't think many subscribers are going to come back but the people who are really tuned into the community i think will um and hopefully those are the people who will be longer backers and they will uh eventually like up their tier when they can um but two like there's been so much i i've like people are like wait you have a patreon what's a patreon oh mm. this oh it was bad but now it's good hmm hmm so i wonder if like hindsight 2020 if a couple years we're gonna see other crowdfunding services make the same mistakes as they take on more money and people are like oh patreon those were the good guys so I, I like, again, real, real bad. But the fact that they're not waiting years to address this, it was less than a week, is kind of, uh, I, it makes me more optimistic. One of the things that um, I think is interesting about this is, and has been speculated by by a bunch of people about Patreon is Patreon seems to have um, gotten a lot of these $1 kind of pledge things. And there was a lot of speculation that what this really was, and now they've undone this move, was a way to kind of like try and step away from the $1 pledges because the $1 mm-hmm. pledges have all these fees attached to them. Of course, the beauty of Patreon is if you have $31 pr- pledges, they, they should only charge your card once for $30 and then distribute the money and that really mitigates the fees. It allows you to do micropayments not to get too nerdy here but it allows you to do micropayments by creating a platform that people have multiple donations on because that makes the fees a lot less because it's there's a a first hit for every credit card charge and then there's a percent. Um, As somebody who does so so, um, Relay so Stephen can jump in here if he wants to and and, and Relay and the Incomparable both use Memberful which is a kind of make your own Patreon system and the way it works is there are fees all the fees happen behind the scenes you send a price and people pay that and then they don't get charged a fee i get charged the fee it comes like everybody who's in retail who charges you a price on your credit card and then they eat a percentage of it as part of the credit card fee and that's the thing that struck me about this move by patreon is it seemed so weird that they were basically saying hey everybody now we're going to charge you the patrons fees for this instead of what i think they should have done and maybe they will do which is like we're going to change our back end fee structure for creators sorry creators this is how it's going to have to work because there are all these costs and they didn't do that and they were like we're going to we're going to we're going to charge everybody who's charging like $1 a month for something. We're going to charge them a lot up front, which is why I kind of believe the idea that this was all about kind of kicking the low value, um, you know, dollar donation pledges off their site because they're not very, they're not very profitable. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a great idea. I think having content that you can pay for, Megan mentioned advertising. Obviously, we have advertising here. I've already read one ad and there are two more to go. Um, but but giving people extra stuff, especially for uh, for a donation, is uh, uh, it's a pretty sweet deal. I mean, we do that with Relay and the Incomparable. I know Dubai Friday does that. And it's not going to be your whole audience, but there's going to be a, a portion of your audience that wants to give you extra support. And if you can give them extra stuff, it's a pretty great relationship. I mean, I like the 
the concept in general. Um, it's just this execution in particular, especially like loading it on the the fans essentially and saying we want to charge the fans more instead of what I feel like is the right business practice, which is to say like fans, you don't need to see what happens behind the scenes. You give us your dollar, we're happy. Let us worry about it back in the back office. And I, I'm flabbergasted that they didn't do that. Yeah, I think you summed up my thoughts on Memberful versus Patreon really well. That's that's one of many reasons we went with Memberful, uh, and they have a lot of. This is a very different tool. You can do a lot of stuff with your website and hide content on the site. It's not like a separate system. Um, even though Patreon is moving in that direction, they have an API now that you can sort of build web stuff around. Uh, but yeah, people who want to back your creative work, it should be as easy and as seamless for them to do that as possible. And Patreon, the company going to backers or supporters and saying, hey, you know, we got to make this change, explain that change to them. Like those people just want to support what people like, like us make and, uh, going to those people and showing this, these, what these differences mean like that. That's just the completely, completely the wrong approach. And, uh, I definitely am happy with our choice to go with memberful. Um, I definitely feel for those people kind of caught in the middle here because, you know, it's, it's, it's put a wedge between Patreon and its creators, but it's also put a wedge between creators and people who want to back them. Yeah. And it's going to take time to heal, I think. But I'm a fan of, of the concept, right? I think it's I think it's I think it's great. It's definitely a big part of how I make my living is by having having direct support and totally. exchange for some bonuses. I think I think it's a good a good way to do it. Um, so yeah, I ho- I hope this I should say Kickstarter is launching something that is that is uh is going to be a competitor to Patreon. There's going to be a lot of other stuff out here. Um, this is just the beginning, uh, but it's tough. I feel bad. I I mean to Alex's point, right? I feel bad for the people who this is how they make a big chunk of their living, and that people are dropping off the platform because of the decisions, the arbitrary decisions that Patreon made that they've now rescinded, and how much damage have they done? They apologize for it, but the damage is done. I think- I think one pos- another positive thing that came out of this is what if people and this puts a lot of um you know onus on creators but what if it becomes sort of like okay we're, you're gonna put your stuff wherever your, your audience is like uh people who you know push things on youtube and facebook and whatever video platform um what if like you if you can parody each of like whatever creation you have like if you can do that across the board on kickstarter's drip on patreon on memberful like i wonder if it's going to become more of a commodity of just like hey here are all all the great services um and you can choose whichever you want i i don't know again more optimistic than with Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bottom line, I mean, beyond all of the details here about credit card fees, I can't believe, I mean, this is the sad thing about this, is this This is a story about how the internet enables direct support of people who make things you love. How great is that? You can reach an audience of a few thousand people, it doesn't need to be a huge amount, and they give you $5 a month, and all of a sudden, it could be your job. Like, that's amazing. That's incredible. Um and instead, what we're talking about is, well, you know, there's a 35 cent initial fee at the credit card transaction, and then they charge you half a percent, and then Patreon's going to charge you an extra fractional percentage, and then we pass that on. And it's 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 an amazing thing, and I, it makes me sad when the the implementation details that should probably be hidden are the ones that 
are causing the disaster because it is let's look uh, back here the fact is people who love dubai friday are supporting the three of you directly because they love it and they get some stuff out of it as well but that's pretty amazing right you just started a podcast this year and you've got a, a thousands of people giving you money because they love it that's this is a good thing and what was so great um, in Kickstarter doesn't do this. The number, if if you choose to show how much money you're making every month on uh, on your Patreon site, you that number is what you are taking away, not what um, not the entire number. So like on our back end, we see the the current um, and now the hopefully somewhat permanent solution was always, okay, here is all of the money coming in, but here is your takeaway. And mm-hmm. that's also what your patrons saw. So they knew, like, okay, even though we have pledged this amount um, to get to a goal, like, they are actually going to be making $5,000 a month or whatever, not um, from fees and taxes. All right, let's uh, take a break, and maybe we'll come back with more regrets. It depends on how certain gifts were received within the <laughs> Hackett household. But first, let me tell you, this episode of Download brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code DOWNLOADFM at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and much more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace has an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. Nothing to install, no servers to maintain, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Squarespace takes care of all of that stuff. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support, so if you need any help, you can get it immediately. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, so you can have a, a an exact just domain that people type, no slashes or tildes or anything like that that people used to have to deal with. Just get a domain name, people will type it in, they'll get to your website. And all of Squarespace's award winning templates are beautifully designed so you can show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code DOWNLOADFM and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you to Squarespace for supporting Download. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, now it's time for the story you might have missed. A story that may have flown under your radar, but might be worth mentioning. And this story has to do with products uh, that uh, that let you control your house. Smart home products, young and old. Stephen, um, tell me what's going on here. So uh, my, my wife and I went to a Christmas party last week and did this, the... Um it has a bunch of different names, but you know, the white elephant gift, you buy something silly for 10 or 15 bucks and then you trade with everybody and mm. it's a lot of fun. Uh, my wife came home with the clapper, which you will remember from <laughs> the made from TV ads in the nineties that you could clap your hands together and your lights would come on or off. Clap on, clap That's off, right. clap on, clap off the clapper. Just to be clear what we're talking about. So we have one in our house now. And it was it, it was a, a good win, better than what I got. Uh, but my my three kids are completely obsessed with it. And, and we are a house that I'm sure listeners will know. We have multiple Amazon Echo devices in our house. Our kids talk to the Echoes to turn lights on. Uh, the Christmas tree is on an Echo, and I gave it a fun name uh, in the Amazon app so that they can like say, you know, hey, turn on the Christmas tree, and the Christmas tree comes on. They are very familiar with this. They, they get it to play music. They ask it for the weather. The Echo is toast in my house. The, the, the Clapper wins. And so this, this new product is a Kickstarter project called the Clap Boss. <laughs> 
totally, <laughs> totally merges these things. So I'm backing it right now. Do it. Oh uh, I want it. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, it's going to start at $39 on Kickstarter. It is a uh, smart device you plug into an outlet, and it has an outlet on the front of it, so you can plug a lamp into it or something. Uh, but it works with IFTTT, so you could tell it to do different things. It, yes. it, it can remember <laughs> up to six different actions, and you trigger these actions not by your voice, but you guessed it by clapping. <laughs> Order a pizza. Turn on the light. The device looks adorable. It has a little cartoon animal face with a 1.2 inch LCD kind of built in. And it shows different things on that display based on the actions. If you use it to order a pizza, a little pizza emoji comes up. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my outlets are all pretty low on the walls in my house. So I guess you have to like kneel down and see if it hurt, if it hurts you and if it's doing what it's supposed to do. But this is clearly the future. Uh, you can get it for 39 bucks on Kickstarter. It's a deal because it will eventually retail for 80 and I'm sure, like every other hardware Kickstarter, it'll just be fine. I'm no sure problems. it'll be fine. They'll ship on time. Yeah. They won't. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. It's going to change the world. The clap boss. Yeah. Uh, this clap is boss. great. I take back all of my regrets from earlier in the show. <laughs> Thank you, Internet, for giving us. Maybe. I hope I won't regret backing the clap boss on Kickstarter, though. Oh, my, the regrets will come back. You might. Yeah. I don't know. Should I back this for $39 or should I find 39 uh, podcasts that I love to back That's, a dollar? That is the big question. It's mm, a good question. Yeah. Because I might never get the clapper and those podcasts will come whether or not I support them. Hopefully. I, I never owned a clapper, but I did own a keychain that if you clapped, it would chirp so you could find your keys. Oh. And it never worked right. It never worked oh. right. It was super disappointing because that was a great idea. The, the clapping keychain finder. Well, okay, we're going to keep this on our radar, the clap boss and other clap based Internet of Things technology. I'm unironically excited. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I wonder if, like, eventually, um, like, we can't say our tube friend's name. People are going to be like, don't clap. And and the, like, applause right. podcasts right. are just going to be you a ordered disaster. a pizza. Oh, no. Yeah. You ordered a pizza by clapping at the screen. Oh. Oh. All right. That is the best story you may have missed yet. Stephen, thank you. You're welcome. Um, next next time we'll talk about what you got at the party. <laughs> it was a Clemson hat. No one. Oh, no, boy. Well, and also, you're not allowed to be mad at your wife for bringing that into your house because of all the things she lets you bring into the house, all the Macs and old phones and stuff. So it's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think I think she's got plenty of legroom to, to to embrace this. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more topic to go. But before that, let me tell you about our last sponsor. This episode of download also brought to you by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com. You'll get a 14-day free trial. And when you enter offer code Relay Xmas at checkout. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, that's R-E-L-A-Y-X-M-A-S at checkout. And a whopping 50% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for everyone. They do that by offering powerful and easy-to-use tools and services for anybody who has a website. I am using Pingdom. And when my website went down a couple months ago, I got I got pinged. And that was great because um, I knew about it before people started saying, hey, is your website down? Uh, Pingdom lets you monitor availability and performance on your server, your database, your website. 
This is done by more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site to check its availability as often as every minute. Developers know websites are becoming more and more sophisticated and are often made up of several different dependencies. So when one dependency encounters an outage, it can affect your whole site. With Pingdom's latest tool, which is called Visitor Insights, you can directly monitor the areas of your site that are affecting your visitors in real time. And with smart filters, you can isolate specific pages, geographical reason, regions, browsers, platforms, and a whole lot more so you can get a better understanding of what your visitors are seeing. Stuff is breaking on the internet all the time. Every month, Pingdom detects about 13 million outages, more than 400,000 outages every day. So whether your web presence is small or it's a huge infrastructure, you should take advantage of Pingdom to monitor its availability and performance. You just give Pingdom a URL they, that you want to monitor. They take care of the rest. And when they detect an outage, like they did for my website, you're immediately alerted so you can fix it before the people complain on Twitter. Check it out today and be the first to know when your website is down. Pingdom.com, P-I-N-G-D-O-M.com for a 14-day free trial and 50% off when you use the code RelayXmas at checkout. Thank you to Pingdom for supporting this show. Topic number three, the regrets may yet come, but not quite yet. The iMac Pro has arrived from Apple. It's This is a rare time for new products because generally the channel is filled already for holiday shopping, but Apple pr- promised the iMac Pro $5,000 computer to start up to $14,000 and something, I think, Stephen, if you max it out. Um, the mm-hmm. uh, this, A little bit of money. It's not a stocking <laughs> stuffer. Let's just put it that way. But they did promise it by the end of the year, and this is why in mid-December we're getting a new professional computer, uh, powerful, pricey. Um, it, it's a uh, it's Apple hasn't shipped a new professional desktop computer in a long time because the Mac Pro trash can came out and then there was sort of it was never updated and it's been what like four years since that happened, more than that. So um, this is yeah this is this is a niche product. It's not for your mom. I, I I actually my father-in-law sent me an email saying I need to get a new iMac. Should I get the iMac Pro? And I said, Oh God, no, <laughs> no, no, no. The base model of the 5K iMac is all you need. Um, not for not for everybody. Um, however, that said, while in my pajamas waiting for my English muffin to toast this morning, I spent five thousand dollars on a computer. I'm just going to put oh, it out there. Oh boy, that's <laughs> five iPhones. I know, right? It's it's yeah. <laughs> I could get a used car for that. Uh, not a great used car, but I could get a used car for that. Stephen, are you going to get one of these? Uh, I think I'm going to spend the five thousand dollars on a hundred and twenty-eight clap bosses instead. Give <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am. I'm very much on the fence, uh, Jason. Your and I's workflow for podcast production is basically identical, but I also do a lot of 4k video and my late 2015 inch iMac, as much as I love it really struggles with, uh, with 4k footage and final cut. So I, uh, I'm on the fence. I could use the, the power I could use the upgrade, but it is a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. right now, you know, the, the base model starts at five, but I'm looking at 64 gigs of Ram, uh, because that's not upgradable, even though it has pro in the name. Very funny to me. It is upgradable with an asterisk, which is you have to take it to an authorized uh, repair right. shop or the Apple store, and they will and have they, them open it. They can open it and install new RAM later. So it's upgradable-ish. Yes. Oh, ish. that's yeah. interesting. 
but just hmm. RAM, nothing else. That's it. Probably. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, like the GPUs, like in the, I mean, it's all. It's, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm on the fence. Uh, I'm also looking at a loaded 2017 regular 5K iMac, which would still be a huge upgrade from the machine I'm on now. Uh, so I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel I feel like I'm just weighing my options and and seeing how it goes. Um, so it's about a fifteen hundred dollar delta between the yeah. loaded iMac G five uh, K iMac and the iMac Pro, and you get yeah. like more processor cores and a much better. And, and that's what I ended up doing. I I am not playing the game where people are like, oh well, which model did you get? Like, did you go for the eight cores or the ten cores or the twelve cores or the nine thousand cores? And I, I, no 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 no. For me, the only way that I was going to buy one is if i bought the base model <laughs> like forget yeah. forget it that's it i'm done that's it yeah that that's that's probably what i'll do as, as much as the 10 core seems like the sweet spot 64 gigs of ram would be nice but that makes the machine noticeably more expensive uh so we'll see i'm also very curious i, I am not one there are people out there who say never buy first an apple product or of any company but especially apple because there's always weirdness and I generally don't buy into that with Apple stuff, but I feel that if I was honest with myself and I look in my heart, I feel that with the iMac Pro a little bit because it is so much stuff crammed in there that's it's a it's new, it's in a new chassis with new cooling, and that that has me a little a, a little nervous. You know, at the very least, I, I will probably wait and see how the dust settles and just see how these things are in the in the real world uh, before I jump in. The hands-on stuff all seem very positive, but. Uh, like Jason, I'm very curious to see what you think of it when it shows up. Yeah, uh, for you, and that's in just a couple of weeks, right? Will it make it by the end of, end of the year? I sure hope so. Otherwise, I'm going to be buying a lot of Apple gift cards or something because I want to spend the money before the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Megan, Alex, any uh, any intrigue about a super powerful iMac? I am jazzed as heck. All oh right. my gosh. I, wow. I'm i probably not. Um, so for my jobby job workflow as well as my creative stuff, uh, most of it, well, it was done on a uh, 2016 15-inch MacBook Pro with that lovely touch bar. Um, and I had a similar situation to Stevens where, but they said the logic board failed and it, it was a strange like labyrinth of Apple support. But what makes so uh, it's kind of more horsepower than I need um, until we start at cards like producing like 8K videos in house. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get one immediately, mostly because I'm also very interested in what the Mac Pro is going to offer um, oh, yeah. about like once a few times a year. I uh, literally dust off the Mac Pro trash can when we need to like export a crazy huge file uh but but that's that's sort of it but uh i'm also excited for you know to hear jason and possibly steven's feedback and the iFixit teardown oh my gosh um because even if i'm not using it the fact that apple still cares hopefully i mean on the surface uh they care about these users and you know star wars can be still made on a mac which is exciting to me <laughs> so megan not going to buy a $5,000 iMac? I just added it to my bag, um, my, my <laughs> oh, shopping no. bag on oh, Apple. It's dangerous. Just, be just be careful what you click. I yeah. know. I just wanted to see how it said ships six to eight weeks. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I put the $13,547 dollars and 99 cents. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the, the higher end. Some of the higher end models aren't shipping for a while. 
that's yeah. True. So I was just actually curious, but I should be careful and shut that window just in case because yeah, I, I do want my children to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I don't. I have a 2015 uh, MacBook Pro and I love it, and um, I take it everywhere with me, and it's perfect, and I never. And if it, you know, if it fails for any reason, I'll probably try to find another 2015 MacBook Pro. Um, I don't need anything. You know, my, I, I'm, my profession is writing and talking and reading and thinking. <laughs> and all that uh, it can be done in, in this little machine. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, I mean, it would be ridiculous to be able to uh, have anything else. And I also, like, I don't ever sit down hardly. Like, I probably use my iPhone a lot more and my iPad more than I use my Mac. So I'm perfectly happy with what I have. And, uh, I, but I, I am also excited to hear what everybody else loves about it. Most people don't need this computer, right? Most, by far, most people don't need this computer. In fact, even a lot of people like Steven and like me can get by with, you know, like I could get by with an 11-inch MacBook Air and the 5K iMac that I bought um, three years ago is working great. Uh, That said... (laughs) Stephen and I do a bunch of audio stuff and he does a lot more video than I do as well. And that's where it starts to hit you is these, these super kind of like complex, lots of data. And so for me, I'm going to pick up faster, uh, disc speed because they, they've dramatically improved the SSD speed since the model that I've got. And that's across the iMac line, not just the iMac pro. And I do an awful lot of audio processing using plugins that take, you know, take all the background noise out of, uh, all the podcasts I'm on where people are in various places and they've got background noise and I, I take all that stuff out and that's a multi-core amazing bit of technology um, but it means that when I'm denoising a five-person podcast it takes me like an hour of sitting there watching the, the progress bars go and my fans spinning up so you know for extreme examples like that that's what pushes me to spend $5,000 instead of $3,000 on a new computer because I feel like it's going to be a huge time savings for me. And everybody who makes that kind of purchase decision is going to have something similar. A lot of developers I know are going to buy one because it, you know, it, these days when a new generation of computer comes out every year or two, it'll give you what, Stephen, like 5% faster, maybe if you're lucky. It's a, they're, it's yeah, all it's incremental. Very, totally. And it sounds like that for developers, like their Xcode builds are going to be like 40% faster. It's like a huge leap. It's a big deal for them. Uh, and and if you need that super uh, powerful graphics card that's that's more powerful than any Mac graphics card that's been released, like there are reasons, but it is extreme and it's at the edges, and that's why don't put it under your tree this holiday season. It's not that kind of it's not a splurge. For that, you should get that uh, that clap boss. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. All right, we brought it back around. Uh, anyway, it's fun to have new, a new product to talk about this time of year because usually it's very quiet. And Apple, you know, they shipped, they shipped this one. They didn't get the, uh, the HomePod in, in 2017 like they initially said, but they got the, the iMac Pro out the door and that's good. All right. Um, before we go, I have another segment. This is a new segment that we invented on the fly a couple of weeks ago, and we're just going to keep on doing it in the show notes, which you can get at relay.fm slash download slash 34 or in your podcast app of choice. And if it sports chapter markers, you might even be able to tap on the chapter marker and see this. Um, this is the fuzzy puppy update where we try to leave you with something that will not leave you with regrets, but will make you happy because so many of the topics we have in the show sometimes are downers. Um, and I, it's just a link to a BuzzFeed article 
uh, with a bunch of pictures of um, of pets and Christmas lights. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> That's all it needs to be. There's cats and dogs, and they got they got Christmas lights, and it's cute. And literal, literally, fuzzy puppies are involved. <laughs> when I was uh, looking at these stories late last night, I was like, "Wait, did I open a separate? What's what's happening?" And you just brought <laughs> so much joy to my evening. Thank you. It's hard to take pictures of Christmas lights, and it's hard to take pictures of pets. So together, it is. You got you got to figure out exactly what the uh, light level is, so that you get the, the lights don't blow everything out, and it looks like you know lights floating in in inky blackness, and instead it shows a cute animal with lights on them. So everybody go look at that and feel better. That's what I'm saying. Um, and uh, also to tell you what to look out for in the week ahead, because we will be back in another week. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi opens this weekend. It's that new movie from the company that also owns Marvel, Pixar, Mickey Mouse, ESPN, and apparently now The Simpsons and that other part of Marvel that's got the X-Men in it. Um, mm-hmm. We'll probably talk about that next week. Next week. Uh, but that brings us to the end of this edition of Download. Alex Cox, where can people find the stuff that you do? Uh, you can find me on the very fine Relay Network at Roboism.fm or Relay.fm slash Roboism um, and on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Friday, Or if you just want to listen to the show, DubaiFriday.com. Nice. Megan, where can people find your stuff? Uh, twit.tv slash iOS for iOS Today and twit.tv slash TNW for Tech News Weekly. Uh, also Twitter at Megan Maroney. And I will also be on the Twit holiday uh, special, oh, yeah. which over the holiday. Yes. Yeah, so that uh, the big, big Sunday show will be wrapping up the big stories of the year. And that will show if you're um, trying to avoid your parents, your family, or if you want something amazing to watch with all your geeky family on the TV. Um, that'll be the Sunday after Christmas. And that brings us to the end. I have been your host, Jason Snell. Stephen Hackett, thank you. Thank you for telling me about clapping um, this week. I bring something to the show every week. I'm glad that this is what it was this time. <laughs> that was, yeah, good choice. Good choice. And we'll be back next week. Until then, we'll watch the headlines so you don't have to. Goodbye, everybody. 